0: Man, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, um, and then we're going to go through Genesis chapter 13 together as well. So we've got a lot to cover this morning. This morning we're continuing with our second part of our Genesis study, Patriarchs and Promises. And last week we looked at this, but commentator FF Bruce said about the patriarchs of the faith, they were men and women of faith. Their faith consisted simply in taking God at his word and directing their lives accordingly. You know, we know that the patriarchs were not the greatest role models, were they? These people were polygamists, liars, deceivers, adulterers, blasphemers. They were not perfect men and women, but they would be set apart as God's men and women. Last week, we began looking at our first patriarch of the faith, Abraham. And as we will see this morning, Abraham, again, was an amazing man of God, but he was far from perfect. Our title this morning is From Faith to Fear. So let's read together, beginning in um, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 10. We'll read through the end of this chapter together. We read, now there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, He said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So you are my sister, that it may go well, say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he, and for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Our main point this morning is this. Expect your faith to be tested. The Bible teaches us that our faith will be tested, right? As long as you and I live in this sin-filled world, we know that our faith is going to be te- tested. Last, last week, we looked at Abram. Okay? You talk about a man who had his faith tested. It was Abram. God told him he was going to be the father of a nation, but yet he had no children and his wife was barren. And Now this morning, we read that the Lord told him to go to Canaan. We looked at that last week, but when he gets to the land of promise, there's a famine in the land, and so he doesn't know how he's going to be able to feed his family, and this right here is where Abraham's faith is tested. Notice our first point this morning. Abraham feared for his life. Again, in verse 10, we read, now there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. You know, when I read this verse, the first thing that I ask myself is this, who told Abraham to go to Egypt? Did God tell him to go there? No, God didn't tell him to go there. If you recall from last week, the Lord directed him to the land of promise. God never told him to leave that land. Now, some of you may be thinking this morning, there's nothing wrong at all with what Abraham did. Give the guy a break. There was a famine in the land. And he was being proactive by by making sure that his family's needs were being met. So his family loaded up the wagons and they went to Egypt. You know, Abraham was not wrong in wanting to take care of his family. He was wrong in not trusting God to take care of his family. And what Abraham did is he departed from God's plan. How many times have you done that? How many times have you found yourself departing from the plan that God has for your life? God says, go, and you stay. Or God says, stay, and you went. How many times did you take a job over your lifetime that you knew that you probably shouldn't have taken, but you took it anyway? How many times have you hung out with a friend group that you knew you probably shouldn't be hanging out with because they're going to lead you astray, then set it towards the heart of God, but you hung out with them anyway. For Abraham, he trusted the Lord for over 1,000 miles from Ur to Canaan. He followed the Lord. He left his friends behind, his family behind, his culture behind, and he traveled to a land that he had never been to before, trusting God along the way. This man who had great faith a few weeks ago, trusting God with the impossible, is not trusting God with his immediate needs. So what does he do? He goes to Egypt thinking all of his problems will be taken care of. Fast forward a few hundred years and look at what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 31.1. We read, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One, Israel, or consult the Lord. Now you and I can, um, on this next slide here, you and I can replace Egypt with a number of things, can't we? Now we can say, woe to those who go down to Dallas or Austin or Oklahoma City or Miami or England or um, New York City for help. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. How many of you have ever filled in that blank with something that you knew was outside of the will of God for your life and you traveled to that destination knowing that it wasn't in God's plan for your life. I love what Keith Creel um, says. He says, in times of testing, the important question is not how can I get out of this, but what can I get out of this? He went on to say, God is at work to build your faith, and he alone is in control of the circumstances. You are safer in a famine in his will than in a place out of his will. You know, Abraham, um, tr- Abraham trusted God with his eternal salvation, didn't he? But where he failed to trust God was in the area of meeting his immediate needs. You and I sometimes, man, we can trust God with our eternal salvation. Man, we have no problem trusting God with, with, with that big component of our faith. But where we struggle sometimes is believing that God can meet our physical needs, our emotional needs, our relational needs, or our fiscal needs needs. What Abraham should have done is he should have consulted the Lord, but what he did was he took matters into his own hands and know that because of his lack of faith, he would find himself in deep trouble. So our second sub-point this morning is he lied. In verses 11 through 14, we read, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Do you see what Abraham's dilemma is here? He has a beautiful wife. What a curse that must have been, right? I've got the most beautiful wife in the world, but I'll tell you right now, I would never do what Abraham did. Now, this is one of the strangest stories to me in all of the Bible who does what Abraham did. Before going into the land of Egypt, he turned to his wife and he says, hey, you know, as we enter into this land, man, poses my sister instead of my wife. Now, now, if you go to Genesis chapter 20, verse 12, um, we realize that Abraham isn't lying in that Sarai or Sarah was his sister. Um, it, she was his half-sister. But where he lied was in the area of failing to tell Pharaoh that she was his wife as well. That half-truth would destroy Abraham's witness in the land of Egypt. You ever notice that when you tell one lie, you usually have to tell another lie just to cover up the first lie? And then you have to tell another lie, and then another lie, and then another lie. I I love what David Dyke said. He said, if you lie very much, you better have a good memory. And there's so much truth to that. The best policy we know is always just to simply tell the truth. So Abraham would lie about his wife because of her sheer beauty. Jewish legend says that in comparison to Sarah, all other women look like monkeys. She was even more beautiful than Eve, is what Jewish legend says. It would be because of her sheer beauty that Abraham would literally hand her over to the most powerful man in the land and say, She is yours. He is basically saying, Make her your wife if you want to. Sleep with her if you want to. Have children with her if you want to. Who would do this and why? Well, Abraham did it because he feared for his life. You notice as we read these verses 11 through 14, man, Abraham isn't concerned for Sarah at all, is he? He's concerned for his own life. There's a lot of eyes in that, in those um, verses right there. The crazy part of this story is that Abraham actually profited in the land of Egypt. Notice again in verses 15 and 16 we read, and when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house and for her sake he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camel. I think all of us know there are people in this world that make a living by helping people deceive others, right? Helping people lie. Accountants, men sometimes help their clients avoid taxation. There are people in this world that will help you lie on your resume so that you can get that job. I think we've all heard about professors and teachers and, and, and politicians and even pastors that are lying about their resumes. There are professionals in this world that will help provide you with an alibi to keep you out of trouble with your boss or with your wife or your spouse by saying that you were here when you were really over here doing what you shouldn't have been doing. Again, the crazy part of this story is that Abraham's lie would prove to be beneficial financially for him. Pharaoh would give him sheep and oxen and donkeys, male and female servants and camels. Why? Because in exchange, Abraham gave Pharaoh his wife. Now, one of the gifts mentioned here is female servants one of those servants would be a young lady by the name of Hagar. You know about Hagar, don't you? Fast forward many years, after trying and trying and trying to have children, Sarah is going to give Hagar to Abraham so that she could become Abraham's wife. And they're going to have a child together and both Abraham and Sarah will believe that that child that comes from Abraham and Hagar will be the child of promise. What was the purpose in this? They tried to facilitate God's blessing for them by having a child who they hoped would be the child of promise. We know that was not part of God's plan. It was not God's plan for the child of promise to come from Hagar, but from Sarah. Sarah. Hagar and Ishmael would prove to be a source of contention within that home for many, many years. Even though Abraham profited in the land, that does not mean that he experienced God's blessing. Profit by deception is certainly not an indicator of God's blessing, is it? Let's look at next at how God protected Abraham. Even in the midst of his sinfulness, God would protect him. Notice what we read in verses 17 through 20. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. They sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Even in the midst of Abraham's sinfulness, God intervened, didn't he? Pharaoh rebuked Abraham and Sarah and kicked them out of the land. Here's what we know about Abraham. Abraham lost his way for a little while, didn't he? I think we all have been there and done that, and probably in the future we're going to do it again. We're going to find ourselves like Abraham in the land of Egypt. You know what led him there? Sin led him there. You know what kept him there? Deception kept him there. You know what happened to him while he was there? Fear gripped him. Abraham would not stay, though, in Egypt, would he? Guess what he did? He returned to the place from which he came, Canaan. You don't have to stay in Egypt, folks. Your sin doesn't have to keep you in Egypt. You can return to the promised land, to the promises that God has for your life by simply being obedient to him. What we see next is Abraham's spiritual renewal. In verses 1 through 4 of Genesis chapter 13, we read, so Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev. Now, Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed out on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and I, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. You know, the first thing Abraham did is he removed himself from Egypt. One writer emphasizes the importance of this moment. What Abraham did is he placed distance between himself and Egypt between himself and the place of his sin. If you and I want to walk in the blessing of God, then we too must separate ourselves from the temptations of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul wrote these words, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them. And walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. Then I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Just like Abraham separated himself from the pagan ways of his old life, so must we. We must live separate from this sinful world. Let me ask you a question this morning. What sin is holding you back from experiencing God's blessing in your life? Is it the sin of pride? Maybe it's an immoral sin. Maybe it's the sin of laziness or apathy or disobedience. What sin is it that led you to Egypt? And what sin is keeping you in the land of Egypt this morning? Remember Abraham's unbelief took him from a place of worship. It led him into sin and would ultimately cause others within his family to sin as well. What what he should what what he would not do though is allow himself to be tortured because of his sin. Again, he did not remain in Egypt. He returned and worshiped the Lord in the midst of the land of promise. Please never forget, your sin does not disqualify you. What our sin does is they teach us. Teach us as we receive discipline from God, right? But our sin also teaches us about God's holiness, God's grace. In God's mercy. It is because of God's goodness and love for us that we should want to avoid living in sin and desire to be living in the midst of God's will 24-7. Notice next, Abraham returned to the place of worship. Again, in verses 3 and 4, we read, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and I, To the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. This right here is so important. You and I should long for mornings like this, shouldn't we? Our corporate worship should be one of the high points of our week. Here, we worship the Lord through song, we worship the Lord through the study of his word, we worship the Lord as we strengthen one another. We should long for this time just like we should long to spend daily time with the Lord when we're outside of this place. In Hebrews ten twenty four through 25, we read, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, we should desire the Lord. We should seek to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, every single day of the week. Now, I know that there are times that we don't do that, but the days that we miss, we should pick up where we left off. Man, we should long to spend time with the Lord, just like we should long to be in the house of the Lord week in and week out. You know, what we see with Abraham is we see a changed man whenever he returned from the land of Egypt one of the, the, the attributes that we see within his life is kindness displayed. As we studied last week, Abraham did not depart from the land of Ur and Haran alone. We know that he took his wife with him. We know that he took servants with him. We also know that his nephew Lot would go with him. And, and after they returned from Egypt, we read in the next section of Scripture, verses 5 through 13, we read that there is a little bit of contention that's going on between Lot and Abraham, especially between the herdsmen of the two. They had become so mighty in the land that both of them couldn't occupy the same land together. And so as a result of that, Abraham has a talk with Lot, and he, he tells Lot, he said, look out over the land, and, and you choose where you want to go. And so Lot looks out over the land, and he says, man, I'll go down to this land. And we know where he ultimately settles is in the land of Gomorrah. And we know what's going to happen in Sodom and Gomorrah as we get there in a a few weeks. And so he goes down there, and then Abraham chooses to go to the area of Hebron, doesn't he? Who was living under the blessing of God's promise? It was Abraham, wasn't it? But do you see what he does within the land of promise? He lets Lot choose the best of the land, and he takes what's left over. This is such a beautiful example of Abraham being the blessing that God promised that he would be to others. As believers, we looked at this last week, we are to be a blessing to other people, aren't we? We are to bless those that are part of our faith family, a part of our immediate family, and we're to bless others as well. And what we read about Abraham is that his blessing would go from generation to generation to generation. You and I are still living under the umbrella of Abraham's blessing, and that is being a blessing to other people. You know, um, It amazes me the difference between the Abraham that lived in the land of Egypt and the Abraham that lived in the land of promise. We can learn from our mistakes, and we know that Abraham would. In closing this morning, let's look at God's blessing upon Abraham again. The Lord said to Abraham, and we're we're dropping down to verses 14 through 18 of Genesis chapter 13. The Lord said to Abraham, So Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. You know, what we just read or read here are verses that give Abraham a little bit more clarity into his current blessing and his future blessing. God is going to give him descendants that are going to outnumber the, 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 the dust of the earth. And he is going to make his offspring... Um, um, again, as the dust of the earth, but he's going to give his descendants all the land to the north, south, east, and west. Folks, God is always good, even when you and I are not always good. Abraham was not perfect, and he would continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake throughout his lifetime. But in the end, Abraham was still declared as being a man of faith. Folks, you and I are not perfect. And we will make more mistakes in the future, won't we? All of us have also found ourselves traveling to our own Egypt. All of us have lived outside of God's plan for our lives. But here's the thing. And live up under the banner of God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace for our life. My challenge for all of us is that we would get back to trusting God. We need to trust him with the little things just like we trust him with the big things. You may be here this morning and you find yourself still living in Egypt. You find yourself outside of God's will for your life. I don't know what led you to Egypt, but you do. But here's the deal. Just like Abraham left his sin behind and returned to that place of worship, you and I too can leave our sinfulness behind, and return to that place of worship. If you're here this morning you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. I'm going to be here at the front, and I'd love to share with you more about how you can enter into a faith relationship with the Lord. If you're here this morning, and, man, you just need prayer, I'll be here. I'd love to pray with you. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, just thanking you again for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that even when we live outside of your will, you are still pursuing after us, and you're still protecting us. Father, I pray that if there is any man, woman, or student in this room this morning that finds themselves living in Egypt apart from your will, I pray that today will be the day that they return to that place of worship. They get their lives right with you and get their hearts back in tune with you. And Father, that you will just speak to them. Father, I pray that there's someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, that today will be the day of their salvation. Father, move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.